last Sunday, Sunday morning, we talked about Jesus, the healer. Sunday evening, we talked about Jesus, our redeemer. And today, we're going to talk about Jesus, the life changer. He is truly a life changer. I look at my own life and it's hard to even put into words how Jesus has changed my life. He's changed it in such dramatic ways. Sometimes, sometimes not so dramatic. But nevertheless, He's made a, ultimately, He's made a major change in my life. Sometimes it's a little bit here and there, but it adds up over time. So, First, let's look at how Jesus changed lives of the people that He encountered while He was here on earth. Um, He changed lives through a whole lot of different ways. Through ways that we've already talked about through healing and redemption. He he healed those that He came in contact with. He preached to them. He liberated them. People were set free that were in, in bondage. I don't mean physical bondage. I mean they were in bondage maybe to demon possession or they were delivered from some sort of sin that they that had hold on their life. But either way he he liberated and and ultimately brought salvation. So through his physical life here on this earth he changed lives, many lives, countless lives. Uh you know, I don't know that we could even begin to count the number of lives he he impacted while he was here on a level that we can't even comprehend. He was able to, just by speaking a few words, instantaneously point someone in a new direction in their life. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12. We'll start reading in verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And you may be sitting there thinking, what in the world does that have to do with Jesus changing my life? What is this talking about? Well, he just wrapped up talking about, earlier in this chapter, the gifts of the Spirit. So what Paul is saying, he's telling you that when you encounter the Holy Spirit, He may assign some sort of task to you. He may he may give you a, a particular calling. And all of these different callings, I would venture to say He will give you a calling, right? You may not be listening for that calling, but it's there. But all of these different callings make up the body of Christ. All these different workers, whatever they may be, preachers or 
Let's just go through the list real quick. Apostles and prophets, healers, teachers, all these different things make up the body of Christ. So how does Jesus change my life? Well, when I encounter the Holy Spirit after receiving salvation, that Holy Spirit changes my life in a dramatic way when I begin to seek Him, when I begin to search Him out. That change, listen, if you've encountered the Holy Ghost, you know what I'm talking about. If you hadn't, you're sitting there wondering what I'm talking about. He'll change you in ways you can't imagine. He'll give you strengths and abilities you can't imagine. He'll give you a new desire for things in ways you can't imagine. But I want to, I want to show you something here. In verse 31, he says, Covet earnestly the best gifts. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Everybody probably thinks they have a good handle on what the word covet means. In most parts of the Bible, it's used in a negative kind of connotation. You're, you're told not to covet your neighbor's stuff, right? So what does covet mean? Well, the definition I read was to wish for with eagerness, to desire possession of. To wish for with eagerness or to desire possession of. So Paul's telling us that we should desire possession of the best gifts. Are y'all awake this morning? I want y'all to understand something, okay? I want to share with you about Jesus changing your life. And I will do everything I can to do that. But here's where it all hinges on you. It all hinges on your desire. You see, if you don't desire to have your life changed, Jesus won't change your life. If you don't desire to, to have something different than what you currently have, there's no point in looking for change. Change won't come about until you want it. He's not going to force anything on you. But I want you to understand that the moment that you begin to desire something from God, He is just waiting to pour that out on you. He's waiting to pour that out on you. He's waiting for you to desire Him. And when you do, He'll begin to change your life. So, Ask yourself a question today. Do you desire God to change you? I, I can't tell you what you need to do in your life. I can't tell you what needs to happen for you to have the, the awesome and perfect life that you want to have. But I can tell you that the first thing that has to take place, I can't tell you all the steps, I can tell you the first thing, you have to desire God. You have to desire Him. Do you know what it means to desire Him? It means to be hungry. Let me use something maybe everybody can understand. When you're a kid, do you desire the meal? No. 
the kids desired the dessert. Right? In fact, they would live off of dessert if they could. Now, y'all may look at me and say, looks like you desire dessert. Well, I do. But I also love the meal. I love the meal that comes before the dessert, right? As you grow older, you begin to understand that that stuff can be good too. Whether it's because your taste buds change or maybe you develop a different taste. You know, coffee didn't taste all that good the first time I drank it. But after a while, you kind of like it. You kind of grow to like it, right? Things change, okay? But as a kid, you desire the dessert. You can't live on dessert. You can't grow on dessert. Oh, it gets you all wound up and rambunctious, doesn't it? But then you have that little sugar crash and you're just down, right? So what does that, what does that mean? I've got a point, I promise you. <laughs> See, as, as you grow in, in your relationship with God, you realize you can't just survive on snacks. You can't survive on desserts. And you know the reason why most kids don't want to eat their meal? Because they've already had a bunch of snacks. You ever hear your mom or your dad say, now if you eat that, you're going to spoil your dinner. What happened when it came time to eat your dinner? You didn't want it. Because you'd already filled up on other stuff, right? The desserts, the snacks, the things that really, they taste good. They really don't provide any nutritional value. In fact, it's just the opposite. They're bad for you. Even though they taste so wonderful, they're bad for you. So you wonder why you're not hungry for the things of God. Why you don't desire God to change your life. Well, maybe it's because you feel full of desserts. I don't mean physical, natural dessert. I mean spiritual dessert. You're, you're feasting on things of this world that don't have really any nutritional value. They don't do anything for you. And so when it comes time to eat your meal, to desire something from God, you're thinking spiritually, you know what, I'm just not pretty okay right where I'm at. Right? You ever sat down at a meal when you'd already had a meal? But you're out of maybe, you know, you go to somebody's house, oh, come eat with us. And, and you kind of feel obligated and you sit down and you just kind of pick at the food. You're not, you're just not hungry, right? You have no desire for that, that meal, that food that's sitting in front of you. No matter how good it may be, it doesn't matter. Once you're full, you just, ah, oh, I can't eat anymore. So you come into the house of God Sunday. Listen, I'm not trying to beat you up today. I want to open your eyes to something. This is a revelation for some people. You come to the house of God Sunday and, and everybody's like, Oh, get excited, get excited, rejoice and, and praise God. And you're like, you know, I just don't really feel like it. Why? Because you were already full when you got here of something else. 
See, it doesn't have to be a good thing you were full of. It can be a bad thing. Now, you may be full from good things. And man, that's wonderful. But yet one time, have I ever been full of good things from God and not wanted more? See, that principle doesn't stay true in the realm of godly things. You desire something from God, He feeds you, and you stay wanting more. You never get full of the things of God. So I seriously doubt the reason why you don't want to praise God, the reason why you don't want more of God is because you have enough of Him already. Every time it's been with me, every time i felt that same kind of thing, it's because i filled myself with other things. Things not of God. Things of this world. And what does it do? It's like eating a bunch of bread with your meal. You just feel weighed down, right? Stuff. I'm worthless. I can't do anything. And that's how you feel when you come in. And I do that. Look, I have to force myself sometimes to want to praise God. I have to force myself because I've already been feasting on other things before I ever came to the house of God. So what does that have to do with changing your life? I want you to change your life. I want you to see that God wants to change your life. Even me. It doesn't matter what position you're in. God wants to change you and mold you into what He wants you to be. It doesn't matter how far along you are. It doesn't matter where you find yourself. He is the life changer. When you encounter Him, there is no option but for you to change. He wants to change you today. That's just what Jesus does. He changes you. A lot of quietness in here today. So y'all either being pricked in your heart or you don't understand what I'm talking about. James chapter 1. I'll turn over and read this with me. James chapter 1. Any of y'all that ever have ever read James, you either rejoice when you hear me say James, or you say, oh, here we go. You see, James did not mince words. He didn't ride the fence in any way. He, he just told it like it was, and that's all he knew how to do, apparently. So James chapter 1, verse 22. Be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the Word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Now listen to this. 
It's kind of poetic. I wish people still talk like this, you know? More depth to what they're saying. You actually have to think about this for a minute. He's telling you, be a doer of the Word that you hear. Don't just hear it and say, oh, that sounds wonderful, and walk off and do something else. See? Now listen. He is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror, looking at yourself in the mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. How many of y'all can go look in the mirror and then walk away and forget what you look like? You can't do it, can you? You know what you look like. You saw the mirror. You saw your reflection. Next time you walk up and see it, you say, hey, that's me. Alright? So, think about this now. He beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the, into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed indeed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, to keep himself unspotted from the world. So, we come to church, we hear the Word, we go home, we read the Bible, we read the Word, we put it in us, our parents tell us the Word. You get it from the time you're born to the time you leave this world. Most of us. You hear the Word, you don't do it. That's the same thing as going and looking in the mirror and then walking away and forgetting what you look like. Hearing the Word, knowing it's the truth. Listen to this now. Knowing that it is the truth. Knowing that is what you should do. And that by doing it, it will change your life. And then not doing it. Isn't that foolishness? I talked to somebody this week and I explained to them what tithing was. Okay? Y'all, I don't like to preach and harp on tithing. Especially our church, man, everybody. I mean, I don't even go look to see who tithes and who doesn't. I don't care. I don't want to know. But we don't ever have to worry about do we have enough money. We, We do fine. Right? I don't, I don't like to even harp on nobody about that. But I, I was speaking to these people about tithing. You could see this look on their face just like they had no idea what I was talking about. So I asked, do you know what tithing is? No. So I explained it to them. And the more I explained, you could see this glazed over look just continued to grow. They did not want to hear what I had to say. I shared with them in Malachi where God said, try me in this. Pay your tithes. I'm going to put this in Kevin's turn. Pay your tithes and see if I won't bless you. It's the Word of God. 
That's His Word, His promise to you. I will bless you if you will give me what's rightfully mine. They don't want to hear it. Truth right in front of them. Okay? Now they didn't, they didn't say, oh, I don't believe in all that. They just, it went on. Okay? It may have an impact on them later, I don't know. My point is this. It's easy for you to sit here and say, well that doesn't happen to me, but does it? See, God wants to change you. But if you can't be faithful in something that simple, how far are you going in everything else? Are you allowing the Word of God to really permeate your heart? Or is it something that you just hear, goes in one ear and out the other, and when you walk out the door, you hardly even remember what it was that you just heard? Is God changing you? See, this, this should be a continual process. When you encounter God every time, every time, I spend some time seeking God, guess what happens? He responds. And guess what? I'm either convicted or I'm encouraged. Either way, I change. Right? Jesus is a life changer, y'all. He is a life changer. It's easy for you to sit here and to ignore what I'm telling you today. It's easy for you to think about other things. But I'm here to tell you, and if you have to choose to listen to what I'm saying, He will change you if you let Him. He wants to change you. Why does He want to change you? Why does He want you to be more like Him? Because you come closer to Him. You come to a deeper relationship with you, with Him when you do that. When you allow Him to make you more like Him, guess what happens? You get closer to Him. That's what He wants. He wants to have a deeper relationship with you. You wonder why the Bible doesn't make any sense? Because you're not close enough. There may be some parts that do make sense, but those parts that don't, you gotta get deeper with God. You've got to get closer to Him and He'll begin to reveal that stuff to you. I'm not here to beat you about the head today. I'm here to tell you God wants you to be changed like Him. Those of you here today that have been saved have a little inkling of what I'm talking about. You know, when you accepted Jesus into your heart, something changed. You weren't ever the same after that. You may go back and do things that you shouldn't do. You may still sin, but it ain't ever the same in you anymore. Those of you that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, you know what I'm talking about. Those gifts begin to be imparted to you and it changes your life. It changes you, man. Y'all, I could, 10, 15 years ago, I could think of a hundred different places I would rather be than here today. Okay? You may be in that same boat right now. But the bottom line is, when you encounter the Holy Ghost, He'll change you. He'll give you desires you didn't know you had. See, you've got to desire Him on some level before that's ever going to happen. Before He's ever going to come and, and be with you like that, you've got to desire Him. You know what that means? 
It means emptying yourself of all that other stuff. He's not going to kind of wiggle his way in and just barely fit and, you know, one foot still hanging out. No, he's, if he's going to come in, you're going to have to get everything out. Get that stuff out of the way. He won't come in and mix and mingle with things of the world. He won't do it. Some of y'all are sitting there wondering, thinking, man, it's been a long time since I really felt the presence of God. Well, you've got too much junk in your life. It ain't because He left you and doesn't want anything to do with you anymore. It's because you've put other things in before Him. It's because you've blocked Him out by putting other stuff in your heart. See, that's how God works. God wants to be in you. God wants to be a part of your life. But when you put other stuff in between you and Him, He ain't going to fight for a way to get in there. He's going to stand there and wait on you to decide, hey, I want God in my life again. I want Jesus in my life again. Y'all think about how it was when Jesus called the disciples. I went back and read a few of those. Simon and Andrew were fixing their nets. They're fishermen. And Jesus said, hey, come and follow me. What'd they do? They said, well, hang on a minute. Well, I don't even know who you are, but let me finish doing what I'm doing. No. They just threw them down and followed them. Changed their life immediately. Where would they have been if Jesus hadn't come by and called them? When He died, they'd have still been nets and going about their daily routine, right? Matthew was a tax collector. He was sitting there taking money. Jesus said, hey, Follow me. He said, well, hang on, Jesus. I, I got a box of money here. I can't just leave this unattended. We got to get somebody to come and, and relieve me before I can get... No. He just got up and went. Jesus changed his life. Now look, I realize Jesus was ten feet from the guy. He was right there. Like I'm standing in front of you today. But y'all, it ain't no different. Jesus is still calling you. His call is still just as powerful today as it was when He was standing right in front of these people. He is calling you today and you have to make, they had to make a choice. He didn't somehow take power over their mind and force them to get up and follow Him. He spoke into their heart just like He's speaking into yours right now. And I guarantee you, because I know what He says to me on a regular basis, Kevin, follow me. Give that other stuff up and follow me. You know why He picked those people? I don't know. I don't know why He picked them. He had a plan. He knew why. But you know what it really boils down to? They responded. Whether, you know, he knew, I'm sure, he knew they would respond. Would there have been somebody else that would have? Maybe, I don't know. 
But they did. So think about that today. Look, I'm not trying to play on your emotions. I'm not. But if it's, if it's touching something in you today, it's not because of me and what I'm saying. It's because Jesus is calling you today. You may already be saved, but He don't stop calling you just because you got saved. He still calls me on a regular basis and says, Kevin, wake up and look what's going on around you. Throw that stuff down and follow me. I remember there was one guy that he said, hang on, a, one of my family members died. we got to go bury him. He said, worry about that. Let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. Man, that seems kind of harsh, don't it? But what was his point? His point was it doesn't matter how, how critical the time may seem. You need to be following Jesus in your life, okay? I don't care how important your job is right now. I don't care what kind of situations you've got going on at home. None of that matters, okay? Does that mean you never attend to it? Yeah, you do. But listen, the main thing is follow Jesus. But first, first, okay? Do you think that guy never saw his family again? I'm sure he probably did. But Jesus wanted him to lay everything down right then. Didn't matter what it was. And follow Him. 